0: I wonder if you remember a show called uh, Undercover Boss? Uh, Owners and general managers would go undercover in their companies. Uh, The bosses take off the suits and the ties and the high heels. Uh, They give up all the privileges and they put on the company uniform, the steel cap boots and sometimes the bad wig and the fake glasses. Uh, And no-one recognises them. Uh, Hidden cameras record them spending a week doing the normal lowly, dirty jobs of their employees. And the interesting part of the show is when the bosses begin to understand the real life struggles of their employees. The the single mum who juggles the different parts of her life, the dad who works night shifts as a second job to pay for his son's university, someone who copes with chronic illness and big medical bills bosses who've had all the lucky breaks come to realise that normal people can work just as hard and just not come out on top. And then at the end of the show there's the big reveal. Uh, the bosses take off their disguises and they get to show their appreciation for the work of their employees. They reward their hard work and commitment. There are promotions and scholarships and pay rises. And then the boss goes back to his office or his uh, or the fancy suit and the employee gets a helping hand and everybody's changed and we like to think that society's a little bit more egalitarian as a result. Now, that's just a TV show. But what if the undercover boss happened for real? And what if the ultimate boss went undercover? What if God became one of us? Well, of course, that's exactly what we celebrate at Christmas, isn't it? It's what what, uh, Matthew said in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 1 when the angel told Joseph that Mary was going to have a baby conceived by the power of God's Holy Spirit and the angel said he was to be called Emmanuel which means God with us. God with us. In a way that's impossible to completely understand God went undercover. A virgin became pregnant simply by the power of God. And then the eternal, powerful, unbounded, limitless God was born as a helpless baby boy. No longer infinite and absolute, but weak, dependent, fragile, human in every way. The God who created everything chose instead to be created. The one who stood outside of time, who existed before time, chose to step into time. The author chose to enter his own story. Uh, Like Alfred Hitchcock, Uh, apart from making brilliant movies, he's famous for making small appearances in his own movies, cameos. For a brief second, he'd step out from behind the camera to be part of the story he was telling. His fans loved to study his movies to identify him. Uh, Missing a bus during the opening credits of North by Northwest, Uh, Sitting next to Cary Grant on a bus in To Catch a Thief. Uh, Sitting with a child on his lap in a hotel foyer in Torn Curtain. Well, here's my favourite. He's even the before and after photos in a weight loss ad in a newspaper. Uh, 37 appearances identified so far in nearly 50 years of movies. The creator enters his own creation. Now for Alfred Hitchcock, it's quirky, it's cute, it's interesting, but largely irrelevant to the story. They're cameos. But when God, the creator of the universe, chooses to step into his creation, it's utterly unique, incredibly significant, the key moment in the history of the the world. And the world has never been the same since. For Alfred Hitchcock, it's a fleeting glimpse, a split second, but then he goes back to behind the camera. He doesn't experience the life of the actor. There's none of the hard work, the learning of lines, the aching feet. But for God, when Jesus stepped out from behind the camera, when he came as the undercover boss, it was different. He experienced everything that we do, from cradle to cross. (laughs) The lows, the highs, the joys, the sadnesses, the pain, the celebrations. Every weakness, every limitation, he experienced it. And so, he understands it. Like the undercover boss who puts on the overalls and the hard hat and is on his feet all day. Uh, She gets her hands dirty. Uh, And these bosses really begin to understand what the average employee goes through. Now that's Jesus. Uh, The book of Hebrews says this about him. Chapter 4, verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus knew what it was like to be hungry and weary and sick. He experienced blisters and sunburn and headaches. He understood loneliness And betrayal and frustration. He felt the temptation to get angry, to get even, to want his own way. He was God with us, but he was also God who was us. And so he understands, he gets it, he gets what it means to be human. Now, that's a great comfort. Even if he was just a normal person, it's comforting, isn't it? To know that there's someone else who understands what we're going through, who sympathises. But it's even better when it's God himself who sympathises. Because it means he has has the disposition and the power to do something about it. To do something about our weaknesses and our pain and our suffering. Look at the very next verse. Uh, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Ask God for help in Jesus' name because Jesus understands your problems. You will get a compassionate hearing. But what's more, because Jesus never sinned, he has the right to ask on your behalf. He is the perfect high priest who stands between us and God. He presents our requests to Him. He brings them by His authority, not by our own uh, merits. And so we can be confident that our prayers will be answered. We can be confident that God will give us grace to help in time of need rather than rejection. Isn't that wonderful? To know that we can come before God confident because Jesus is our high priest. He's God with us, experiencing everything. In fact, he's experienced not just everything, but he's experienced far worse than we ever will. He didn't come to the first world. He wasn't at the very top of society. He didn't come to a royal palace, a powerful position. He came to a working-class family in a third world country, an insignificant nation in a dusty back corner of the world. Uh, Those who announced his arrival were a bunch of dirty shepherds. He grew up in anonymity. But that was just the beginning when he began his mission. He preached and healed the sick and cast out demons and calmed storms. He was God walking and talking and living amongst us, but he wasn't recognised and celebrated like we would expect. He was misunderstood and overlooked and rejected by almost everyone. Uh, John chapter 1 puts it like this, the the verse that uh, Cheryl highlighted for us. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. He made the world. If there was anyone who deserved to be recognised by the world, it was the one who'd made it. But when he entered it, the ultimate injustice was his creatures wanted nothing to do with him. They rejected him. It's like the employees who don't recognise their undercover boss and they make fun of the boss because he doesn't understand how to do things or or she gets it wrong or makes a mistake. They don't realise who they're talking to. And it was like that for Jesus. The crowds were happy to follow him when he fed them or healed them but when he challenged them to leave everything to follow him they wanted nothing to do with him. And then the leaders, the the religious leaders, the powerful and the pious, they were offended. They were jealous of him. And so they plotted to kill him. And in the end, they succeeded. Convicted of crimes he didn't commit. Abandoned by his friends and then executed with a barbaric uh, death. Uh, There's a great line in a song we used to sing, perhaps you remember it, it captures this contrast beautifully. Hands that flung stars into space, to cruel nails surrendered. The most powerful human hands uh, anyone ever had. And he allowed them to be pierced. It was tragic and unjust, but it wasn't the end of the story because he wasn't just any man. Every other man's story ends in death, but because Jesus was God, death couldn't hold him. He he was raised to life. And that's what the angel was talking about to Joseph. Way back when Mary was pregnant, the angel said, call him Jesus, which means God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. Can you imagine Joseph holding that tiny, helpless baby. If he failed to feed him or if he dropped him, he would die. But knowing that that helpless baby would grow to be a rescuer for his people, to save people from their sins, to save people from the power of sin, to save people from the consequences of sin. We all need saving from sin like that. We all naturally ignore the God who made us. The ultimate insult to him, failing to recognise and receive him, to use John's language. We all choose our way instead of God's. We all act as if God hasn't made us and doesn't deserve our loyalty. We act as if we are God rather than him. That's what sin is. That's at the root of every other sin. Every other act that disobeys God begins with that pride and that self-sufficiency and that rebellion against God. That's the sin that refused to recognise Jesus as God with us. That was the sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. The sin that we're all guilty of. The sin that God would be perfectly just to punish you for. And it was sin like that that Jesus came to deliver us from, to rescue us from. Look at how John continues. The world God made rejected him when he came, but but it wasn't everyone. It wasn't universal. Look at verse 12. Yet, the world rejected him, yet, not everyone, to all who received him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There were some who did recognise Jesus, the undercover boss, who saw through the disguise and who received him. They saw past the limited human form and saw the infinite God himself. A bit further on, down in verse 14, the author describes that incredible experience of recognising uh, God in their midst. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. They saw the glory of God himself, hidden though it was inside a human form. They saw the invisible that was made visible, the infinite made finite, And they received him, which means they believed in his name. To believe in his name means to trust his authority, to trust that he really is who he says he is, that he is God with us, that he does speak on God's behalf, that he is the high priest who sympathises and who presents our interests to God. And it means trusting his work, Trusting what he's achieved by his death and resurrection. Trusting that it's on the basis of that work alone that we can approach God. And nothing to do with our own merits. Trusting that he's dealt with the sin that separates us from God. And lastly, it means showing that trust in the way we follow him each day. Receiving and believing in his name. And the wonderful promise is, in that verse, is that anyone who received Jesus like that, anyone who recognises him, Jesus gives the right, the authority, the power to become God's children. The privilege to be part of his family, connected to the God who made us. Now, that's ultimately what we were designed for. But more than just being connected to God, it means that we've been born again. We've been made new. God gives us his spirit so that we actually have the power to defeat sin. Not perfectly, not permanently defeat sin, but the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us and works in us to make us daily more like Jesus. He saves us from the power of sin. He saves us from the punishment of our sin. Now that offer... Uh, To become one of God's children, it's an offer to anyone. The verse says, to all who believe, who receive him, he gives the right. No matter your background, no matter how good or bad you've been, all he asks is that you receive and believe. And when you become part of God's family, there are all sorts of benefits that flow. Uh, Gifts from the boss who went undercover, Jesus hands out far greater gifts, of course. He makes us God's children. We can call God Father. He gives us his spirit to be with us. A spirit who brings forgiveness and peace and purpose and love and power over sin. We become part of a worldwide family. Are they benefits you know and appreciate? Have you received Jesus, believed in his name? If you haven't done that, today's a great day to do that. To recognise the greatest gift that's ever been given when God gave himself and then receive him and trust him. After all, it's the time for receiving gifts, isn't it? We're nearly at Christmas. Receiving that gift is as easy as asking, turning from your sin, committing to live trusting Jesus. Believe and receive. Now, as I look around, most of us have done that. But receiving and believing is something that we need to keep doing again and again. So here as we come to the end of 2021, commit yourself afresh to serve Jesus, to receive him, God with us, to believe in his name, to trust his work, his word. Celebrate the joy and the privilege of being a member of his family one of his sons and daughters and make 2022 a year where you will follow him wherever he takes you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this uh, these passages that we've thought through uh, this morning Uh, I confess uh, how difficult it is to try and capture something of the wonder of these verses and and, and, and we'll fail to appreciate the depth of these but uh, we thank you for your spirit who helps us to understand them and to recognise their significance. Uh, We pray that uh, any here who have not Recognized Jesus might do that that you uh, would give them the right to become your children uh, Lord we pray for our world there are many people uh, who don't recognise Jesus who dismiss him uh, we pray that this year this Christmas might be a season where many turn to him and see him for the first time uh, Lord we want to thank you also for our young people Uh, and for those who teach and lead them, uh, Sunday school, youth group. Uh, We pray for our young people that you grow, protect and hold them. We pray that they would grow to be faithful disciples of Jesus all their days. Uh, We want to pray for Jeremy Adams as he begins youth and children's ministry next year, coordinating uh, those ministries. We pray you would equip and use him and grow him in godliness and patience, in humility and dependence on you. (laughs) We think of Sid and Anna Mae Tapia and the girls, uh, Sienna and Skylar, as they move to Brisbane uh, early in the new year. We pray that they would find a good church, that the girls would settle into a new school and we pray that God would use them, uh, uh, that God would use all of this to challenge and to grow that family in their dependence on you. We pray for our Christmas Carols event on uh, next Sunday evening. We pray for thorough planning for good weather for good connections with uh, visitors who join us. We pray there might be some from the preschool who join us. Uh, We pray for Mark and Catherine and for Janet as they move uh, to new churches. We pray that they might rest in between uh, one job and another one starting. We pray that as they settle at these new places that God would use them to grow his people and that they would be encouraged as well. We give thanks that young uh, Yeorang Ru is healing miraculously well following her fall. Uh, we pray as uh, she's moved to the brain injury ward that her physiotherapy would be effective and that uh, the prayers of many would be effective and she might be restored to full health. We pray for our, loc- uh, our Lennox Head Beach Mission team, uh, many from our church uh, heading up to uh, the north coast, Christmas, New Year. We pray for Helsa especially as uh, she directs the team. Uh, Give her grace and patience and strength. And we pray for the many uh, kids and campers who we'll uh, have contact with. We pray that your spirit might be working before. We pray that your spirit will be working during the mission and also working after that mission, that kids who uh, have learned something about you would find connections in churches and school scripture classes and Youth groups, uh, where they can continue in their growth and knowledge for you, of you. Uh, Lord, we think about some of the churches in our nearby suburbs. We pray for St John's Ashfield, especially we think of their new church plant at Haberfield, uh, and we bring before you their senior minister, Andrew Cate, who uh, also runs the Redeemer City to City. Uh, organisation Planting and Growing Churches. And we pray that you'd provide him all the resources he needs to do uh, his work. And we pray for Asheville Baptist too. Uh, we think of their uh, new minister, Mark, as he settles into the role. And uh, we think of their uh, important ministries uh, of the nursing home and the childcare centre. we pray that Jesus might be ministered to uh, lots of people through those uh, ministries Lord, our thoughts turn further afield and we think especially uh, this morning of the tornadoes that have ripped through the American Midwest uh, with many dead and much destruction. Uh, We pray that uh, you would protect uh, those surviving from uh, further loss of life. We pray that through uh, these difficulties, people would look to you in dependence. We pray for your churches in those areas, that you would give them grace and strength uh, to minister and to be your hands and feet in that area. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, this Christmas across the world, uh, many would stop to consider their priorities and uh, perspectives. Uh, That through the the difficulties of the last couple of years, many would come to recognise their inability to control their own lives, recognise their brokenness and their need for you We pray that these events you would use to lead them to Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray all of these things in and through the name of Jesus. Amen.